<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Alec Cuenca and you're listening to Small Talk. Hey guys, welcome back to Small Talk, small conversations with huge impact. My name is Alec Cuenca and I'm your host. And before we actually start, I just want to thank each and every one of you who are listening to the podcast right now. If this is your first time, then I go, then I hope that you go check out the other episodes because those episodes have amazing insights as well. If you are an avid listener of the podcast, and welcome back. I hope that you enjoy this episode because this is, I know I always say this, but I just can't help it. This is a very special episode because we have a special guest. Our guest for today is the first certified practitioner and instructor of Theta Healing in the Philippines. She's also a certified clinical hypnotherapist, past life regressionist, Reiki practitioner, access bars practitioner, and pranic healing in addition to being well-versed in other healing techniques. She's the founder of Third Eye Wellness, which is a mind body energy health and well-being center in Fort Bonifacio in Taguig and she's also a content creator and more importantly she is the host of the podcast under PNA Project Loving Myself where she talks with well-known celebrities and influencers from the Philippines about their journey to self-love. Let's all welcome Miss Sanaya Gurnamal. Welcome to the show Sanaya. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It's, you know, my guests say this when they come on my show, that it's it's so strange to hear somebody else talk about their story. And now as I listen to you, you know, introduce me, I have the same feeling like, oh, wow, yes, this is me. So <laughs> thank you for that introduction. No, it's all my pleasure. I mean, um, I was trying to get self-help or um, better way uh, coaches or therapists on my show, but I just can't find people and when I saw your show on podcast well under the PNA I was really excited I, I told my producers and my team I, I need to get Sanaya on my show it's just why I'm really excited if you can say I'm, I'm kind of nervous because I'm really excited to have you and I have a lot of questions and I can't wait to dive right in actually let's let's start um, talking about first I want to know how did you get um, into the self-help industry? Where did it all start? Actually, um, that's a really great story, Alec, because I grew up in Japan and um, I went to college in the U.S. I went to a university called University of Pennsylvania. And so I really thought I was going to become a marketing consultant. Or I was going to go into consulting or finance work, you know, really sort of professional work. And um, I was very career motivated. Uh, you would call me like an A-type personality, someone who's really like, go, 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 you know, what's next, what's next, which is very far from someone who is, you know, into health and wellness and well-being. So um, I actually was pursuing more of a corporate job. I was a, a fashion buyer with, with the company called Saks Fifth Avenue, which is kind of like Rustans, but in the US. And um, I had a very different type of life. 
Now, after living in the U.S. for about eight years, I moved to Dubai, where uh, my family was, and I continued to work there. I had my own jewelry business. I was also working with another company in branding and marketing. So very strong marketing sort of background. And interestingly enough, I um, was invited to kind of a awareness talk, uh, a well-being sort of um, event. I knew nothing really about it. I just knew the person who was running the event. And I didn't think it was something that I would be interested in. But on the day of the event, I found myself driving by. And it was strange because I didn't mean to. It's just like I felt like I was led there. And I couldn't like deny the feeling of like, you know, you're here, just go in just go in. And I'm like, this is not even my cup of tea. You know, this is not, you know, the line of work I'm interested in. And I'm not into spirituality and healing and all of that, which is what I understood the the talk was going to be about. In any case, I went in. Okay, I braved it. I went in and it was, you know, just an hour and a bit. And I remember sitting at the edge of my seat just completely spellbound, just being like, wow, is this real? Like, is this person who's talking about healing your mind and your body? And he was talking about angels and he was talking about a lot of different things. And I thought it was kind of a little bit out there. And my very left brain at that point was like, you know, something about this connects with me. I feel it like I could feel it in my gut. I could feel like there's something about this, but my brain is like, oh, but this just sounds really crazy. So being kind of that type of person, I'm a bit nerdy, you know, I went home and I went on to Google and I didn't sleep the entire night and I researched every single thing he talked about. And this was, you know, the the person who spoke was a, a hypnotherapist, a clinical hypnotherapist who does spiritual work. And so I looked up everything and everything had, you know, like valid references or there were authors that were talking about this. This was the time of the secret. It was the time of um, an author called Brian Weiss, who was talking about many lives, many uh, masters. It's like past life regression. So it was around the time where there was a lot of this starting. And I remember thinking, okay, this is not weird. There's actually something to it. And I'm talking like 12 years ago, 12, 14 years ago. And so I said, okay, what's the next step? Let me try a healing session. So I went in for a healing session and I had a condition called lactose intolerance. So, you know, if you, if you drink like coffee, like cappuccinos or lattes, eat um, pizza, ice cream, the good stuff, I would get really bad, like tummy upset or tummy aches or went to the bathroom. It was just not pretty. Anyways, I said, I want to heal this because that's the only thing I could think of that was, was wrong with me. And in one hour, the person I worked with healed me because I remember I went to Hagen does right after, like after a one hour session, I went to Hagen does. I had my favorite cookies and cream ice cream. And for the first time in eight years, no reaction in my body. And I tested it out every day for a week and I was fine. And that just blew my mind because I was like, how did someone in one hour heal me of something that medically there's no cure for it? And that's what got me started. Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, a lot of people are coming to therapists for their uh, emotional baggages or something that needs to be improved upon their mental state. But you went there and you were trying to fix your lactose intolerance. Yeah. And it still worked. And I want to learn more about that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? I mean... um, Obviously, you can't tell the whole thing that happened, but what do you think made it effective 
or uh, made it uh, helped you in some way? So the thing is, even though I I I actually went in without a clear idea of what was I going to heal because most of us don't really know what's wrong with our life, right? We think that whatever challenge or difficulty we're facing, this is normal. This is life. You don't think that you can change it, which is why you're still in that situation. So when I went in, I didn't know what to heal, but it just came to my mind, oh, you're lactose intolerant. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. annoying, right? (laughs) So I said, "Let's, let's see if I can heal this. And at the end of the day, the lactose intolerance really went down to childhood issues. Okay. So when I was about like eight years old, I went to a memory and it brought up a lot of feelings of like life was unfair because I had a younger brother and I was the older sister, just two of us in the family. And I really felt like my mother always favored my younger brother, you know, like, like she would feel that maybe I bullied him or I, you know, was the one who was always, um, you know, on my little brother's case. But the way I looked at it is he just got away with everything because he was the favorite. And so a lot of these feelings, life is unfair. You know, I don't really feel loved. And from that, it went to sort of the issues that I had looking at my parents growing up because they had a little bit of a challenging marriage. And I remember being there and being really aware of the stress and the tension in the family. So really, it was about lactose intolerance, but it went down to emotional things, things that were affecting my mental well-being. I just wasn't aware of the connection. And it was when through the help of the therapist, she helped me connect that my body was rejecting lactose because in my memory, I associated ice cream with these feelings that I was having. And so our body protects us, right? So our body's job is to keep us safe, to keep us alive. And so when my body associated ice cream with these really negative feelings, and there was sort of an incident, it'll take a little too long to get into it, but there was an incident where those two seemingly disconnected events got connected. And from that point onward, my brain decided that ice cream was going to bring up these negative feelings. Fast forward, you know, I was in college and something happened, something happened in a statistics class. And I was really upset with one of my teammates who wasn't doing any work and left me to do all the work. So once again, I said, this is so unfair. I'm doing all the work. Somebody else is getting away with not doing anything. And I remember going for a coffee. I went to go get my, uh, my latte from Starbucks. And I remember that was the first time I really felt the discomfort of lactose intolerance. So it's like my brain remembered or connected, hey, this has happened before. So what we need to do is reject all forms of dairy because dairy is dangerous. It brings up these feelings of life is unfair. Of course, my brain didn't understand that the dairy had nothing to do with it. It just those two events were really close together and the connection was made. So once I kind of went through those feelings, the therapist helped me kind of through breathing and through realizations, release all the, you know, feelings of unfairness, any kind of negative feelings I was having. She helped me kind of release it in that one hour session. And at that point, the trigger was gone. So now my body felt safe. We don't need to protect you against dairy because you no longer feel unfair. You no longer feel these negative feelings. And really, that was the start of my journey because I said, if this was so easy to heal, why are people sick? Why are people sick with cancer? Why are people sick with all these diseases in the world if it really just comes down to our emotions and our you know, memories and it can be healed? 
And so from that point onwards, I started my own um, journey, I would say, of self-discovery. I became a workshop junkie. I took every class I could get my hands on. I would spend all my money that I was earning from my job, from my full-time job. I would spend it, you know, taking classes on weekends or, you know, on my holidays, I would go to retreats or workshops, anywhere I could soak in more knowledge. And I wanted to learn everything, you know, I wanted, I was just so kind of, wowed by everything I was learning and it kept me going. I started meditation up until that point. I never meditated, but I took a class on how to meditate and I started to meditate and it was like a 21 day program. So every day I meditated and almost every day I had some kind of an experience. It gave me a lot of courage, confidence, and an understanding that there's a lot more to the universe, to the world than what meets, you know, the eyes. And so that's really where it all started. That is a very inspiring story. Thank you so much. Now, I have a lot of questions. But before that, uh, let me just invite all the people who are listening right now. Please go check out the other amazing podcasts under Podcast Network Asia. And here's one podcast you might like. Hi, this is Sanaya and I'm a well-being junkie. It's true. I admit it. I love everything to do with mind, body, and energy, and I'm constantly on a journey of learning, exploration, and self-discovery. So I created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast, because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. Sanaya, I, I, I was really amazed by a lot of things, but first and foremost was the fact that I didn't put it like I didn't put that put it in, put life in that perspective where our bodies are trying to protect us from um, what it feels um, needs to be protected based from our experiences, and so when it all um, we think that it's all physical, it's actually a part some somewhat part of. Uh, mental and a more spiritual experience and so can i just ask um is there any limitations with um because a lot i i I can feel like a lot of people are very um don't uh, they don't believe in these kinds of stuff because well we have doctors and that's the first people that they go to but can you tell us is there any limitations when it comes to that kind of healing process and understanding yeah. more of yourself? That's actually a, actually a really good question, Alec, because there are people who go into well-being and healing and they may not feel like they're getting the results right away. Okay. So I, I have in my practice, because I'm a well-being coach and I see people on a daily basis, whether it's, you know, for disease or relationship issues, financial issues, whatever the challenge may be. And what I found is that if you are committed to change, you want the change. Okay. That's half the battle. Okay. And there are people who sometimes go into it because their mother forces them, their girlfriend or their boyfriend pushes them into it. So they're not really completely going out of their own free will. So that definitely affects their ability to get anything out of it because there's going to be a strong resistance. So that's number one. Okay. You have to really be willing and ready for change. So a lot of people are afraid of change, which is why they'll never go in for this kind of, you know, alternative healing or counseling or therapy. It's really because we're afraid of change. Okay. 
The second thing that can happen is sometimes people have to learn certain lessons. We call them sometimes like virtues or just things we need to learn. Maybe it's patience, maybe it's faith, mm -hmm. maybe it's tolerance, maybe it's commitment. So sometimes your process of healing may take a little bit extra time or like I had a client who went to a lot of different types of healers okay, and counseling and nobody was really able to help her. But when she came to me, I figured out that she didn't really believe anybody could help her. So she was just shopping around to prove the point that nobody can help her. So what we worked on is not her issue. We worked on why she believes no one can help her. Okay. And it turns out she believes she really has to do everything on her own. So you really got to work with the client's mind because the answers and the key is in the mind. Now, I like what you said earlier, Alec, you said like, you know, what my story kind of helped you understand is that our body's keeping us safe. Right. So I thought it might be nice to share like another example with you mm -hmm. that will really illustrate my point. So I had a client come to me and um, this client of mine had suffered through some abuse as a child. Okay. It was a little bit of sexual abuse. So she grew up being a little bit afraid of men and afraid of intimacy. So what happened is she gained a lot of weight. Okay. And she became a woman who generally had difficulty losing weight. Okay. Now what we discovered in the healing session is the reason she gains weight is because it keeps her safe. Her mind figures, if I gain weight and I'm heavier, it'll make me less attractive. And if I'm less attractive, then men aren't going to look at me like a sexual object. That's number one. So now I'm safer. I'm protected. And the second thing is, if I'm more heavier, maybe I'm not going to be as attractive as I could be. And that will stop me from getting into a relationship with someone. Because at the end of the day, She's afraid of intimacy. She's afraid of trusting someone. She's afraid of someone taking advantage of her again. So this is a really good example of how our body does things to protect us, you know, or to keep us. There's always like something that's like the lesser evil. I'd rather be single, but at least I'm safe from intimacy yeah. or I'm safe from abuse, you know? And of course she wanted a soulmate and she wanted to lose weight, but she was having difficulty on both those fronts because she didn't understand why there was this difficulty. So awareness is key. I love that. I mean, we could, uh, I mean, you, you, you probably have a lot of uh, examples more. And uh, I got to, you know, mess with my flow or my script because I, I really have a lot of questions regarding the healing stuff. But let's try to uh, touch on one thing that you know, uh, mentioned is that well, I came upon this idea as well in um, one of the books that I've read. It's um, Stillness is the Key. And uh, that's the first time that I came up with the concept of the inner child, right? And a lot of people, uh, I feel like every single one of us, uh, especially when we hit that age of the 20s and 30s, and we're experiencing ki some kind of um, emotional uh instability instability or some some way that we're just having this crisis i think we can all trace that back to that inner child as like mm -hmm. the example that you gave to us and i want to know can you tell us a little bit more about um how can someone you know identify 
that moment when where they need to go back to their to that inner child because I feel like everybody has that kind of issue. You know, I think the inner child is such a powerful concept. Mm-hmm. And I think you already pointed out something, which is stillness is key. Okay. So really sort of understanding what's going on and where these feelings and memories are coming from is really going to help us to connect to the inner child. For example, let's say we have a challenge in our life. Okay. So we have some kind of difficult situation and uh, maybe it's with a coworker. Okay. And how is that coworker making me feel? Well, you know, I feel attacked by the coworker. I feel like I'm not good enough. Then you ask yourself, well, when was the last time you felt not good enough? Is this something that you felt before? And chances are you felt I'm not good enough a lot of times in your life. I mean, when I work with a client in a healing session, in a, a, a coaching session, if I ask them the question, when was the first time you felt this way? Whatever they're relating in their current life, like whatever is happening right now. And I'll ask them, you know, have you felt this before? Is this feeling something that is like a pattern? And they always say yes. And I said, okay, well, take me back to the very first time you remember feeling this way. And it's always with the parents or the brother, the sister, the grandmother. It's the people in our life who were the earliest influencers. And so we go back to usually a childhood memory. And none of these people actually consciously remember this, but it's in the session as they're kind of going into that space of quieting their mind, stillness, and really focusing on the feeling, nothing else, just the feeling, that we can kind of connect back to, well, when was the first time? And the memory just comes up. It's really easy when you're working with someone who's trained to do this. And the memory comes right up and the pers- my client will say, oh, I remember, you know, I was four years old. I was at a birthday party and, you know, my father yelled at me and it was my birthday. And I felt like, I felt really upset because it was my birthday and yet he was yelling at me and I felt no good enough. So that's where it started. So going back and healing the inner child often will just end the cycle of I'm not good enough happening all the time with so many people in their life. Okay. And the thing is, we as children have a very different understanding and perspective than as an adult. As an adult, if someone, you know, says something to you, you can brush it off. You can reject it. You can choose to kind of ignore it. But as a child, small statements, like things like somebody saying you're stupid, you're ugly, you're not good enough. Like, especially when it's a parent or it's someone who is bigger than you in size, Because as a tiny little child, you look up at all these giants. These adults in your life are like giants, right? And they know everything. So you're this like vulnerable child. You don't understand anything. You rely on these adults to help you understand the world. And when they say something, that's the truth. That becomes your reality. And you believe it because you don't know better. And so those moments end up defining the rest of our life. And it's always the case when I work with people It's that childhood experience and it repeats in many different ways with many different people all the way into adulthood. I I love that. And uh, when I learned about that concept, it was the uh, it was actually the first time that I cried reading a book because I figured that every I think most 99% of the things that I'm struggling with can be traced back to that moment where 
I felt like um, I I didn't get the love that I was supposed to receive or I didn't get the response that I was hoping for. But, you know, when, when I got to understand that whole concept where, well, okay, now you're a, big, you're a bigger person and now you understand the world. Now you're not sensitive to these uh, remarks or um, uh, actions by, by the, the giants uh, uh, beside you. Now you can go back to that position and then comfort him. Hey, it's okay. Uh, I'm here. Uh, It's going to be okay. You're going to be good. And once I was able to reconnect with my inner child, like I was, I I, I felt more still and I felt, I felt a lot more peace inside of me that I didn't get the chance. Like I was, uh, I was, I was having all these problems left and right, but I was dealing them on the surface level but it turns out that there was this one small a big root that i need to um a handle or uh, uh, look into and so i need to ask you know there's there's some there's so many things that i want to ask and uh, i feel like uh, i need the second session a uh, second uh, recording with you because i've completely gone off script uh with all the things that you're talking about but I want to touch more on the your work as a theta healer. I mean, you are the first practitioner of theta healing here in the Philippines. Can you tell us a little bit more um, of the overview of what is theta healing? Okay. So remember how I told you, Alec, that I was a workshop junkie, right? And I yeah. studied everything I could get my hands on. I learned that there are many different ways to mm-hmm. work with healing, to work with the mind, you know, to resolve whatever issue. And I do believe everything works. It's just that every different type of approach that you use has its own sort of guidelines, rules, or way things work. And for me, I'm a very impatient person. I like, you know, like instant results. I want to move quickly, right? So the first thing that appealed to me when I found Theta Healing is that it's instant. It was instant for many of the things I work through. And um, what was the other thing that really appealed to me about Theta Healing as a healing technique is it forced me to be better. Because as I went through and learned a lot of different things, I realized that the most important thing, if you want to be on the path of well-being coaching, is you have to be the example. You know, you have to be the one who has changed their life enough. You have to be the one who's gone through the challenges, the difficulties, and come out of it so that you can kind of be the inspiration for other people and you can show them that this works. Okay? And a lot of different techniques I worked with, there wasn't so much focus of you having to improve yourself. You know, you can be a really good hypnotherapist and your whole life could be falling apart, you know, or you can be a really good energy healer, but maybe you might not be a very good person. And what I loved about Theta Healing is the entire beginning of my journey was working on myself. And so I used Theta Healing to kind of clean up my childhood issues. I did a lot of inner child work. I did a lot of work with relationships because I had a lot of bad luck or just a lot of heartache (laughs) in relationships, you know, and I really felt like I'm never going to find my soulmate. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, that's kind of like the most important thing. (laughs) You know, and I remember I would always fall in love with the bad guys, Mm -hmm. you know, the one who would really give me a rough time and the Mm -hmm. ones who loved me and treated me like a princess. I would just like, you know, I would just get bored and I was like, something is wrong with this, you know? So I started working on every area of my life Mm 
And I saw huge changes. My life literally turned around. I would say every relationship in my life was healed. My parents, my relationship with my parents, which was, you know, kind of normal teenager going into your 20s, you know, you have different points of view. And I never felt like I could communicate with them in the well. I never felt like really loved the way I wanted to be. And I realized it wasn't them, it was me. And I had to do a lot of my own healing. So really, I had the responsibility of healing everything in my life. And it was all on me. That's what I loved. You know, so I decided to study it further. Um, the founder of the technique, her name is Vienna Steibel, and she had cancer. And she healed herself through the, can- through the technique. And she instantly healed herself from, you know, a very advanced cancer that they were talking about amputating her leg. And to me, that was something just mind-blowing that that could happen, you know, that you could have cancer and then in the next second, there's no cancer and it's medically validated. That just was something really crazy. So I knew I had to learn Theta Healing. And so I was in Dubai at that point. I was living in Dubai. I learned Theta Healing. Within three weeks, I had a dream that I'm going to open a healing center, which I did. Um, I had, uh, within the first week, I had, you know, about eight healers join my healing center. I found a place. I put up my website overnight. Like everything happened so quickly. And there was nothing that I could really um, explain for how things were so easy and smooth than the fact that I had learned data healing and I was starting to apply it to my life. And really, my healing center in Dubai, which opened in 2008, became one of the most well-known and successful centers in Dubai. And um, I I continued to practice Theta Healing. I used it with my clients. I continue to use it. And it's been, you know, over 12 years at this point. I've definitely explored many different things, but I always come back to Theta Healing because I have yet to find something more powerful, more instant, and more, um, I would say, really deep healing than Theta Healing. And I continue to learn, you know, there are new classes, there are new things. We, as a Theta Healer, I'm constantly updating myself. Um, and I really feel that for me, it is one of the most useful self-healing techniques, as well as a professional, what I can use with other people to help them, you know, live their sort of dream life. So what's like the main difference between um, the other techniques available to theta healing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So theta healing is really a meditational technique. Mm -hmm. It's a method of supercharged meditation. It's called theta because what we do is we consciously slow down our brainwave from, so right now as we're talking, we're in a beta brainwave. And then if you kind of relax or you're doing meditation or yoga, you go into something a little bit more calmer, which is an alpha brainwave. And most energy healing happens in alpha, like Reiki, pranic healing, a lot of powerful healing techniques happen in alpha brainwave. But if you go even deeper into the subconscious, you will reach the theta brainwave. And it's usually in the theta brainwave that you can do a past life regression, or you can do some of those more deeper inner work. But with... um, Theta, you're normally asleep. So it's a subconscious brainwave. And most people cannot access it when they're awake because it's a sleep wave. But as a theta healer, you're trained to consciously take your brainwave down to theta. And it's tapping into that brainwave that allows you to actually do instant healings, to change beliefs. You actually physically shift things in the body. 
you release negative emotions, you download positive feelings. So, you know, I don't know if you ever watched like The Matrix. Do you remember that? I haven't watched The Matrix, you unfortunately. <laughs> okay, so um, the other movie I can think of, um, oh, I forgot the movie, but there, you know, there's been some movies like this where they, they show these people who can do things like program you or download things or like charge you with like superpowers, right? So that's mm -hmm. how I think of Theta. It's kind of like surreal. It's like I can download you with the feeling of joy and you would feel joyful. Is it like uh, Inception? It's kind of a little bit. Inception, I would say, is closer to hypnotherapy because I'm a clinical oh. hypnotherapist as well. So Inception is really about the root of hypnotherapy. Theta healing is more spiritual. And Theta mm. healing is the concept that there's this, there's an, uh, an idea of a creator, a god, you know, a source energy. We're all coming from this one powerful energy and we can just tune into that energy. And that is the energy that does the healing, not us, right? We're just like human beings. We can't like, you know, instantly change cancer or heal it, but that energy can do it. And so a Theta healer is tuning into this very high vibrational frequency through a brainwave and they are uh, essentially facilitating a healing. So I've had people, you know, come in with diseases, Alec, like they come in and they have like polycystic ovaries or they have infertility issues. Or I have people come in with cancer. This has happened a lot. And after one healing session, I'm talking about 45 minutes to an hour, they will leave. They feel a lot better. Most of them feel like happier than they've ever felt in a very long time. So like a burden is lifted. And this is one session. And a lot of them, because I, whenever I deal with medical issues, I will ask them to go back to their doctor. I do not prescribe medication, take them off on their medication, nothing. I will send them back to their doctor and the doctor will take a call or the doctor will do the tests. And I've had so many cases where my clients will, you know, report back to me that they're no longer you know, polycystic. They no longer have cancer. It's gone into remission. Um, I've had cases where people after nine failed, you know, IVF, infertility issues, they got pregnant. Like just really wonderful things happening after one session, maybe two sessions. I don't really see people for very many sessions. It's that quick. Um, and it's, it's honestly to me, like miraculous. And I can't imagine why people don't know about it, why the whole world doesn't <laughs> know about it. But there's enough people, you know, I'm, I'm definitely busy with clients all the time. Um, and people refer their friends and family. And so uh, I'm constantly working with people because it works. That's really why it works. Uh, you you kind of said that it's a more of a spiritual healing. And um do you do do your clients um, do you only provide service to a certain group of people that have a certain type of religion or are you allowed to uh practice it to everyone it's it's a non-religious type of healing okay mm -hmm. and so really anyone who has a faith in the idea of a god a source and it doesn't matter what religion you believe in so obviously most of my clients here are christians or catholics you know i've even had born again christians i've had jehovah's witness i've had really people with very strong beliefs i've had clients you know who are really from a variety of different countries and religions and it doesn't matter as long as you believe that there's something greater than you there's a greater power than you 
Because if you don't believe there's anything greater than you, then you're stuck, right? <laughs> it's just yeah. like you, you have no other, nobody to turn to. There's nothing beyond you. But if you just acknowledge that there is something beyond us that can create miracles or do healings, that's all it takes. And so really, I've never had religion be a problem. Um, I've never encountered anyone who's told me that this goes against their belief system. Mm -hmm. And in fact, most of my students are, you know, Filipinos. And I also have students like I have a lot of OFW students, so people from around the world. And I have a lot of um, different nationalities as students as well. So I teach classes since I'm a certified instructor as well. So that's really amazing. And uh, I just love that it's really inclusive to everyone who who just wants to be healed from one thing that they, they're struggling with or they, they don't know what, what they need to be healed from. And I just want to go back to the point where, well, you, you said that it's kind of like these waves that uh, you connect to a higher purpose, you connect to that higher wave. Well, because I'm a huge fan of the law of attraction, although I'm not really well-versed about it. You know, I, one of my favorite songs is, is, a, is a rap song about uh, from Russ. It's called Manifest. And uh, you, you've, you've been saying Manifest uh, all throughout our conversation. And I want to tap into more of that. How is manifestation in, in your perspective? Is it real? Is it really effective? Yeah. Manifestation, law of attraction, these are very real things. And you know, this is not just like us talking about it. This is scientific, right? So if you go into quantum physics, and there are plenty of books, plenty of really notable authors that have written books that are scientifically accepted, that our thoughts actually have an influence on our reality. There's an entire field of study called epigenetics. It's a field of biology. So it is a scientific discipline. And they prove that our thoughts are actually turning genes on and off in our body. Okay. There's also another scientist. His name is uh, Dr. Masaru Emoto, a Japanese scientist. He wrote a book called The Hidden Messages in Water. And what he proved is that if you take water molecules, so if you take water So water droplets, actually, if you put them under a microscope, they're, they're crystals. And depending on the kind of thoughts you're sending to the water, it actually affects the crystal structure. Wow. And so what he did is he took like different, you know, bottles of water and he taped words to them. So some were like love, faith, peace. And the other one is like hate, anger. He played like heavy metal music to some bottles of water. He played Beethoven's, you know, more classical music to some bottles of water. And what he found consistently is that things like heavy metal or like really harsh negative language would make these crystals become really ugly and like mutated shapes under a microscope. And when you kind of did like a prayer over the water, you prayed over the water, or you played classical music, or, um, you know, like a spiritual song, or you tape the word love under a microscope, these crystals were beautiful. And if you just look this up on YouTube, okay, Masaru Emoto, E-M-O-T-O, and, you know, the hidden power or messages of water. And his book was really highly recognized. And so science has proved over and over again that our thoughts are affecting our body. Our body is 70% water. 
So whatever we're thinking is affecting every single molecule and cell in our body, which is why when we have, you know, really negative thoughts and really sort of pessimistic attitude, and we're always like, you know, complaining or angry or things like that, we get sick. It really makes us sick. It drops our immunity. And it's so relevant for what's going on with the pandemic today. And I know that's something you wanted to talk about as well is, you know, I notice that people who are really fearful, who are really kind of depressed and anxious about what's going on, they're more likely to get COVID and they're more likely to have COVID symptoms be quite severe. Whereas people who are a little bit more relaxed about it, okay, they're a little, they actually do better. And there were some studies, I read some articles in New York Times. And so there's a lot of information on how our stress levels actually affect how severe we get COVID symptoms. And the more stressed out you are, the more anxious you are, the more likely you are to have a lot of negative effects, negative symptoms. And the more relaxed you are, you, you recover better. So it has a lot to do with your state of mind. And this goes back to kind of law of attraction and manifestation because, you know, what you believe is what you're going to create. So the law of attraction says, and the scientific aspect of it really is something called selective attention. So if I um, want to buy a red car, I want to like manifest a red car. And I know what kind of car it is. Maybe it's a, uh, I want a red, uh, I don't know. I'm not very good with cars. Give me a car, Alec. <laughs> Uh, Porsche. <laughs> okay, know. let's do a red Porsche. Okay, <laughs> so I want a red Porsche and I'm gonna like manifest it. And that's kind of like my dream. Suddenly, I will see red Porsches all mm. over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, everywhere I go, I'll see it on the road. It's like everywhere. I'll open a magazine and there's a red Porsche. I'm gonna, you know, drive on the road and I'm gonna see it. It's called selective attention. It's not that suddenly there's more of them, you know, around <laughs> us. It's just that because we have focused on something and we're paying attention to it, we kind of see it around us all the time. And the more you see something, the more you're actually directing your brain to that and you're bringing it closer to you. So that's the law of attraction. And that's the scientific explanation of it. But, you know, for the layman, for you and me, for everybody else, Mm -hmm. it's just the idea that when you focus on what you really want and you Mm -hmm. do so without fear, And some people will do something called a vision board. You know, they'll stick a board and put pictures on it. And, you know, you just keep looking at it and you're actually directing your mind to attract it or to create it. And, you know, when I've done vision board workshops with my students and clients, within three to six months, it actually manifests. It appears in their life. Okay, so I had, a, I had a, a client who really wanted to lose a lot of weight. And so she made this entire vision board about eating healthy, drinking water, you know, yeah. everything that she had, which was connected to her physical and health goals. And within six to eight months, she was there because she kept looking at the board. So she could never forget, you know what I mean? Like you wake mm-hmm. up in the morning and you're like, that's my goal. So you eat better. You know, you're a little bit more conscious. You're like, okay, I'm going to go work out because I looked at my board. I reminded myself. And so that's really what the law of attraction is. It's, you know, constantly repeating a certain thought or an idea, focusing on it, you know, reminding yourself and you're going to bring it into your life. You're going to create it. Okay. And that's how goals work, right? When we have goals and we keep looking at our goals or we write them down or we put them up on the wall. I mean, 
we, we teach this in business school, right? In business school, we talk about how goal setting is really important, you know, targets for a company, yeah. um, having like a budget, all of these things is really a type of manifestation because we're directing our mind towards something and we're really focused on that. That's law of attraction. Mm-hmm. So we're honestly doing law of attraction and manifesting in our life all the time, even though we have no idea what that word manifest may mean. <laughs> and we have no idea what law of attraction, you know, what it says, it doesn't matter. It's actually happening in our life all the time. I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting and amazing because I didn't put it that way. Like our body's made up of water and your study from... What's, what's his name? Dr. Imoto? Imoto, yeah. Imoto. Um, proves that, like, uh, first, I believed, like, um, the energies are like these waves that we can't see, something like that. Well, right. somehow it is. But if we look at it in a more um, molecular, molecular level, we can see that our thoughts affect the water inside of our bodies. And essentially, we are all built with water. And that's the scientific uh, principle behind the law of attraction and i think i'm i'm really excited to learn more about that and share it with the people you know with 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 with, with the listeners here in the podcast uh, because i feel like we, we can learn a lot more about that before we head on to the rest of this amazing conversation here's another show from podcast network asia Hi, this is Jason Law, best-selling author, speaker, and now the host of the Unique Life Podcast, where I discuss the four different types of personalities so that you will know your strengths and weaknesses and that of others. Join me as we try to unbox life and the wonders of your own unique personality, only here in Podcast Network Asia. I'll catch you there. Okay. Now uh, let's uh, try to. I, I, I'm I'm so into this conversation. I didn't really uh, notice that we're almost hitting the one hour mark. But thank you for all your insights. And I have a few more questions before we go, actually. And um, but first, let me just get back on what you said. That uh, I think there's this quote that uh, it's easy to spot a yellow car when you you're looking for a yellow car. It's easy to spot spot uh, a red. Uh, a red shoe if you're looking for something red something like that and all is based from your perspective and uh one one thing that i saw from one of your videos is that um there's this process called framing and i think that it's basically the um i think the, it's the most basic thing about when when trying to figure out more about yourself trying to understand yourself better and uh it it can be traced back to your beliefs, right? And how it, how important is beliefs, and how can someone potentially change their beliefs? Can you can you talk more about that? Yeah. Um, so belief is actually everything, mm-hmm. in my perspective and understanding. Everything that's going on in your life is your belief. Okay. So let's take a neutral situation. Let's say I have. in my bank account. So let's say I have uh, 250,000 pesos in my bank account. Okay. One person can look at the 250,000 pesos in their bank book and say, oh my God, I have only 250,000 pesos in my bank account. Mm -hmm. How am I going to survive? 
Another person can look at 250,000 pesos and say, oh my God, I'm so blessed. <laughs> I'm so lucky. I have 250,000 pesos. This is going to like take care of everything. Yeah. Right? It's just a matter of perspective. Okay? The, the 250 pesos is the neutral event. It's how we see it. And that goes really for everything in our life. Today, my boyfriend broke up with me. This is the end of the world, right? I'm never going to find somebody who is going to love me this way. Or I'm never, you know, I'm never going to find my soulmate again. This is the worst thing that could happen. Another perspective, you know, maybe this was not the right person for me. Because if it was, then we would still be together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's someone better who's waiting to come along. And you know what? I'm ready for that. I'm going to be open for that. Now, depending on which perspective you're going to take, it's going to affect your emotions, right? So the, the girl who is like, oh my God, this is the end of the world for me. I'll never find that person. It's going to be really depressed, sad, crying. The person who's like, you know what? Maybe it wasn't meant to be. If it was meant to be, we'd still be together. Maybe there's someone better for me. Now that person is hopeful. That person kind of, I'm sure they're going to be sad, but they believe that there's something greater. You know, there's, there's, there's a bigger picture that maybe they don't understand. And the difference between these two perspectives is how we feel, okay? So perspective is going to decide how we're going to feel. Now, when people are having difficulties in their life, it's all about what they feel, okay? Something is difficult. It brings me pain. I'm suffering. I'm sad, okay? So it's all about the emotion. That's how we know something is difficult, Okay? But if we feel okay, it's not really a challenge. It's not really difficult. So it's really about the perspective we choose to take. Now, I had a guest on my podcast, um, Tim Yap actually was mm -hmm. on last week's episode, and he was talking about how as a child, the family house burned down. And of course, everybody was really devastated to watch their home go down in flames. But his mother you know, obviously saw that the children were scared, okay? And the mother reframed the situation. She told the children, it's okay. It's just a change. We're just going into something different. And so instead of having them focus on, oh my God, we have no house, it's burning, you know, this is the worst thing ever, she kind of just calmed them down and said, you know what? This is going to be an adventure. We're going to find something new. And I remember he talked about this movie called um, Life is Beautiful, and it was really about, you know, a father who him and his son were in the Holocaust and like, you know, the concentration camp. And he, this father made the whole thing into like an adventure for this little boy. And they were stuck in the worst conditions. But what the father did was make life beautiful for his child. So his child wouldn't be scared. And this was like an award winning movie. I think it won like some Oscars and, and so on. I forget right now. But my point is, we always have a choice how to see every situation. And if we choose to see it in a negative way, we're just going to feel bad. And if we choose to see the positive in it, I like to say, find the silver lining in every dark cloud. Look for the positive because there's always a positive. And I think if you can focus Alec, on the positive, then your mind will start thinking about solutions your mind will start kind of going more in a positive direction. And when you're kind of, you know, more uplifted, you're thinking more clearly, you're not, you know, miserable or complaining or angry, you're not in that kind of negative feelings, which clouds our mind. If you're kind of more positive, you'll think more clearly. So you'll make better decisions. You'll make better choices. So it's a win-win situation for you.
Okay. Now, some people might say, oh, you're just pretending. You're just pretending that everything is okay and it's not. And you know what? If it's pretending, but you feel better, then that's what matters. Okay. Because how you feel in any given moment defines your experience. Okay. And I'm not saying, you know, don't pretend like you have no feelings. You should feel, but don't get kind of caught up and stuck in it. Like, okay, your house burned down. It's terrible. And you know what? It's really, really painful. But what's next? How do we, you know, what can we think? What can we do next? How do we get out of the situation? Okay. What's the opportunity in this? And there is an opportunity. Just like with COVID, the pandemic, yes, this is a terrible situation for the entire world. But you know what? There are so many opportunities for us. We can work on our well being, we can work on our health, you know, we can spend more time with our family. We can uh, spend quality time with our own self. We can go on, you know, a journey of self-discovery. We can listen to podcasts. You know, we can kind of slow down a little bit, which is, I think, really a great thing for all of us who live very busy lives. For me, this pandemic has been a blessing. Okay, it's really been a blessing. And that's perspective. That's the perspective I choose to have. And, you know, if it's going to take a little bit more time, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be stressed and worried and I'm not going to, you know, get depressed because my attitude is positive and I'm looking at the silver lining. I'm looking at how I can use this to benefit my family, myself and uh, other people. I like that. And uh, let me just add to what you said where because I, I also teach because a lot of people might misconstrue your sentence or your, your um, statements like, Oh, it's uh, just be positive and everything's going to be all right. But it's not that you um, totally uh, not acknowledge that there is something bad happening in your life. It's just you understanding that because when we're trying to fight with our emotions, when we get caught up with the negative stuff that we feel, we try to argue with reality. And chances are, if we argue with reality, we're going to lose 100% of the time, right? So if we are trying to put ourselves in a positive perspective, uh, as, as you're saying, we start to accept what is actually happening. And then we can actually think about solutions that can make our situation better. But it all starts with the framing, with, with the perspective. Uh, okay, this is it. I'm not going to indulge myself into these negative emotions, but I'm trying to um, go in a positive direction and uh, think about solutions where I can make my situation better. So right. thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, it's really like accept what you cannot change mm -hmm. and change what you have control over, which is your reaction. Yeah. It is. Right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, uh, as much as I, uh, you know, want to have more conversations, more questions, because this Honestly, it's been amazing, Sanaya. And uh, I will definitely ask you again to come back to this show because I feel like a lot of my listeners will enjoy this episode because now we have a professional on board where, where uh, she's uh, affirming all the things that I'm saying on the podcast. So I'm going to invite you again. But before we actually end this whole podcast episode, I want to ask, is there any... Um, advice that you could give to people right now in their homes right because um 
they they might uh, get this. Okay, I I need to do that. I need to change my perspective, but I really don't know how, right? So can you give some practical advice on what they can do in their houses to get a better perspective and try to heal from whatever they're trying to heal from? I think uh, what's really important is to take care of our mindset, sort of our mental attitude. Um, And I think one of the best ways to do that is through gratitude. So to be thankful and grateful for what you have, you know, so I think most many people are always like, oh, this is wrong. This is bad. And we're looking for everything that's going wrong. We're, we're criticizing ourselves. Why didn't we do this? You know, we we're constantly like on our own case. And I think that changing that. So really acknowledging yourself. OK, I did this today or I did this well, even the small little tiny things is, you know, celebrate those things, celebrate yourself. If you actually spent five minutes in meditation or in quiet stillness, that was amazing. You did great. So constantly acknowledging and recognizing yourself for all the good things you're doing for you is important to me. I think being grateful for everything that you do have instead of focusing on what you don't have is something that could be very, very helpful. I do recommend to a lot of my students to have like a gratitude notebook and, you know, you can wake up in the morning and write down five things you're grateful for. I'm grateful for the air in my lungs. I'm grateful that I have this really yummy toast to eat for breakfast. You know, it could be anything, but just doing that changes the mindset. And finally, um, really spending time on your own self-care. Mm-hmm. on your mental well-being, I think is really, really important for every one of us, given the situation today. Um, I think that things like meditation, you know, relaxation time, quiet time, learning, you know, spending time more in a learning space, those are things that can really help us to get through difficult situations and, and times. I think there's always a solution. And so really opening up your mind to those possibilities uh, is very, very important. And finally, you know, love yourself. Mm-hmm. You are amazing. <laughs> you know, you've come so far. You are amazing. So love yourself. That's really my message. Thank you. I love that, Sanaya. And that's it, you guys. You know, you now, you now have something to do. Get a notebook, write things, write five things that you're grateful for. And um, always try to look things on another perspective and uh before we actually conclude this uh podcast episode uh i have a small segment for all of my guests i call this the real talk it's like a fast talk with boyabunda but it's kind of wholesome don't worry and uh it's just five questions and you need to answer with either one word one phrase or one sentence and there's no explanation but i sometimes break my own rule when I get really interesting answer but that's the rule no explanation one word one phrase and one sentence are you ready Sanaya? I am ready no pressure right? (laughs) no pressure okay first question if you could talk to your 18 year old self what would you say to her? wow I just brain froze okay (laughs) ask me again ask me again if I could talk to my if you could talk to your 18 year old self what would you say to her? Love yourself more. Love yourself more. Love that. Second question. Name a person who you would want to talk to, dead or alive. Gandhi. Gandhi. Wow. 
That's amazing. That's a fast answer. That's a fast response. <laughs> okay, next question. If you were an animal, what would you be? Unicorn. Okay, this is where I break my own rule. Why unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> um, unicorn. And is unicorn an animal? <laughs> okay, but why unicorn? Um, unicorn. They're free. It, for me, it represents freedom. Unicorns mm -hmm. have wings. They are mystical, magical creatures, and I really feel that they are from, you know, some other place. They're just magic, and that's what I would love to be. If you ask me for like a real animal, like something on <laughs> Earth, then I would probably um, want to be a dolphin. Dolphin. Why dolphin? Dolphins are also um, highly sort of, I would say, intelligent mm -hmm. animals. Yeah. Yeah. They're very sensitive and they actually have a lot of love. So they send out these vibrations of love to other mm -hmm. animals. Mm -hmm. Okay. So underwater. And so I would love to, to be a dolphin. I think they're All beautiful. Right. <laughs> they are. They are really beautiful. And uh, my fourth question is, if you could change one thing in this world, what would it be? Uh, I would change ignorance. I would, you know, really wish if people could kind of become more aware and more sort of awakened to themselves that would be something that would be a dream to see in the world that's beautiful sanaya my last question what do you want your legacy to be known for definitely i feel my legacy would be love is really teaching people to love themselves i think i started as someone who didn't love herself and it's taken me my entire lifetime okay to really get to this point where i completely love myself and because of that the people around me love me so much and i realize it's just a reflection and i know that's a really long answer Alex, <laughs> but i no. couldn't help it it's I, I appreciate it <laughs> You're giving me loaded questions. It's not like, you know, easy one-word answers. Yeah, but we got a lot from you, Sanaya, and I really appreciate all the time and the um, insights that you shared with us. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you so much for accepting the invite. And I can't wait to talk to you maybe next year or again very, very soon to, um, to ask you here again on the show. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alec. I really enjoyed the conversation. I love talking mm -hmm. about, you know, any of these topics. And <laughs> it's really my pleasure to come on your podcast and mm -hmm. to share all of this with you. Thank so you. Please, uh, Sanaya, if they want to learn more about the, the stuff that you put out in this world, where can they find you online? Well, absolutely. So you can follow me at Sanaya Gurnamal. That's on Instagram and Facebook. That's I'm going to spell it out because it's a complicated spelling. Sure. That's S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. So I have a Facebook and IG and also I have a YouTube channel. So mm -hmm. I have meditations and talks. So you're welcome to check out my channel and subscribe. It's Sanaya Gurnamal. And uh, finally, I'd love to invite all of you to listen in on my podcast. It's called uh, Project Loving Myself. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, uh, Alec and I share the same network, Podcast Network Asia. And uh, you can follow. Um, I have like episode highlights and lots of insights on my Instagram. That's at Project Loving Myself Podcast. That's Instagram and Facebook. 
So catch me there. I would love to connect with all of you. Yes. And if you guys are enjoying um, any type of episode that I put out, I am sure that you will love Project Loving Myself. So go check it out. It's available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's under the same network as I said. It's under Podcast Network Asia. And if you want to check out more amazing podcasts, please do go to podcastnetwork.com. Asia. So again, thank you so much, Tanaya. And this is um, this has been amazing. And uh, I'm going to end the podcast episode right here. My name is Alec Cuenca. I'm your host. And this is Small Talk, Small Conversations with Huge Impact. Talk to you guys next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Small Talk. For more updates, you can follow me at Small Talk Podcast on Instagram and on TikTok. That's at Small Talk Podcast on Instagram and on TikTok. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>